The Guardian. Hello, I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. On this week's show, as Global moves Smooth Radio's operation to Leicester Square, we look at where UK commercial radio is heading and if it can stop the revenue rot. Next week, TV's Great and the Good are making the annual jaunt to Scotland. So today we flip through the programme and offer our pick of the Guardian Edinburgh International Television Festival. And Media Talk regular Stig Abel becomes the new managing editor of The Sun. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And joining me this week, we have the creative director of Folder Media, Mr. Matt Deegan, and Helen Zaltzman. Welcome both. Hello. Hi. Now, I want to be a creative director of something. Yeah, I just made it up. You can make it up too. It's fine. Okay. I'm a managing overlord of Helen Zaltzman Enterprises. <laughs> well, it's good to have you along. Does that mean we pay you more? <laughs> I hope so. Does that mean we pay you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I've just uh, been checking out my awards cupboard, and, uh, well, I, I've done that. Move on. But uh, you chaps, you've got three Sonys between you, I believe. Oh, we have. Yeah, maybe four. Does silver count as one? Yeah. yeah then four. On. Then four. Hurrah. You're a generous man. I only mention that uh, because, as you'll both know, uh, it's the end of an era, uh, Mr. Deegan. Shocking news. The, the Sony Sony are no longer sponsoring the Sony Radio Academy Awards. After 32 years, I think it's the longest media sponsorship uh, in the world. What went wrong? Uh, <laughs> I think after 32 years, you probably just go, are we, st- are we still doing that? Mm. Uh, I think also, everyone will call it the Sonys for the next year anyway. It's like a little bonus year of sponsorship afterwards. At least uh, a year, I'd mm. have thought. Helen, who would you like to come in as the, as the new sponsor? Because you want someone kind of catchy, someone sort of vaguely, I'm going to lengthen this out to give you a chance to think oh, of someone. Oh, thank you. I'm trying to think of the rudest sounding company name that I can. Let me, Karen, you want someone sort of vaguely media related. You don't want, you know, who The Wongas. The Wongas, yeah, right? yes. The Sillet Bang Awards. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the big, if you go through the big radio advertisers, maybe it could be uh, the Autoglass uh, Radio Academy Awards. Oh, yes. They repair and replace. They do, see. And Sky, big, big radio spender as well. Maybe it could be the Sky Radio Awards and pop it on Sky Arts. It's what actually televised the awards. Yeah. That would be a very boring five hours. <laughs> well, I, I think this is an interesting thing about the about the change. One, one of the things having Sony on board was that a lot of people from Sony came uh, and liked a, a big night out. Actually, that meant the, the ceremony had to kind of follow a similar a similar pattern for all those years. So, mm. is it is it time for a bit of a reboot? I think a Sony's a bit like the Baftas would be quite interesting. Big theatre, um, mm, that kind nice. of event, big yeah. party afterwards, a bit less quiche. Yes. Sometimes the Sony's kind of feels like a sort of an in-house kind of company awards and hasn't hasn't got enough. You got your dinner, it goes on for five hours. You know, let's stick it in a the theatre, get a big name host. Well, it's already got Chris Evans, and let's give it a bit more razzle dazzle and less. Um, you know, get him get him pissed pissed up with your workmates. Yeah, I mean, there's value in both. Clearly, there's always value in both. But I think it's a good opportunity, isn't it, to have another look and go, this has worked really well for the last however many years. Can we? Should we change it? What are the people who, who win or get nominated? What do they want? Because also, you know, it is, a, it is a reward for the people who win those awards and it is, a, it is a fun night out. You've got to keep that as well. I think also what is uh, odd about it is how little the audio features. But I suppose that would just prolong... Uh, an extremely long evening don't make it any longer uh, <laughs> everyone should have to listen to the cd Look, before they go in if they've got enough time to put jesse J on they've got <laughs> enough time for some audio well right well we should move on just in case this podcast becomes as long as a sony uh, award ceremony but we start this week with uh, well let's have a change of pace let's talk about uh, 
let's talk about radio. Uh, and we start with the news that Smooth Radio, uh, newly purchased by Ashley Tabor's Global Radio, is being moved into the big Global Radio HQ in Leicester Square. The London staff have moved this week, with those in the West Midlands scheduled to go in early October. In an email to staff, Ashley Tabor, founder and executive president of the company, good job title that one, said that the moves did mean a few jobs are at risk. Not many, but there are a few. This all comes at a time when Global are appealing against the Competition Commission's order to sell off stations in seven areas affected by the deal with the Guardian Media Group. Global, you will remember, bought the GMG's radio stations for about £70 million. Matt, what's Global's strategy here? So there's kind of two issues, really. One is the brand, so smooth radio as a concept. And the second is the selection of FM licenses. So when they acquired, so when uh, Global Radio acquired what was GMG Radio off of The Guardian, uh, they they knew that there could be some regulatory problems. There turned out to have been lots of regulatory problems. Uh, and the Competition Commission have basically said you have to get rid of quite a lot of uh, licenses. Uh, and they didn't pipe up before they bought them. Well, it's difficult because you can, you can you can kind of ask for these kind of things to happen before, but the, clearly the advice Global got was that they would be able to get this stuff through. They're now contesting the Competition Commission's decision, uh, which rumbles on, starts to get reviewed in October. As I understand it, if Global's complaint is upheld, it just re-kicks off another round of Competition Commission inquiries with a new group of people from the Competition Commission. So this thing is going to run and run. But what's interesting is... Uh, areas that weren't affected were, were Smooth Radio in London and Smooth Radio in the West Midlands, which means that they can own those stations. Hence so what, these moves. So what they've decided to do is uh, take control of Smooth uh, nationally, because really it's just one radio station that broadcasts everywhere with a little bit of extra programming in Scotland. Move that to Leicester Square uh, and then continue to feed the network to its other owner at the moment, Real and Smooth Limited, who own these radio stations. So the big question is, post-competition commission decisions, uh, what will happen to those FM licences that they might have to dispose of? And so what will probably happen is somebody will probably buy them and they'll continue to take a feed from Global, and that might be Smooth or Capital or Heart. And it just means that Global will become a kind of uh, a networking provider. And they do this in other areas. So what used to be Mercury in Watford, and now it's Heart in Watford, owned by a separate company, but it shares the Heart brand. They have it under licence. So I think actually that's where we're going, is that Global will provide to a number of owners some licensed brands, uh, one of which potentially will still be smooth. But who's going to buy them, though? Because if Bauer buy them, then they're going to have pretty much the same problem, aren't they? So can UTV, which is... The, seems to be the only other main contender. Will they just wait it out until the price is really low? Well, I think the further this goes on, uh, the price will go down. The other issue is we're probably going to have some announcements on FM switchover at the end of the year, which potentially means that the lifespan of these licenses could be five years. So how much money would you like to spend on something which has a decent number of listeners at the moment, but in five years won't actually exist? If you're going to buy it, you'd like to hang around until November before you put in your opening bid. I probably would. <laughs> but five years, do you think? Five, well, well are, we, are we expecting a date, really, in November? This is to do with um, digital radio switchover, or is it more likely to be an intention from, from, from the government? Yeah, I mean, still. it's difficult for any government to announce they're going to be um, turning off the vast majority of FM radio stations. But what it looks like is going to happen is the government will kind of formally agree to a series of criteria which will start digital switchover uh, and so what that probably mean is they'll go when digital listening hits 50 percent, all roads are covered we're at 99 percent coverage for, for fm we'll start a two-year process and after that two years those fm licenses for bigger radio stations won't be on and that could be you know five years 
And Helen, you mentioned Bauer Radio there, who, of course, have uh, just splashed the cash on Absolute Radio. Mm. And we wait and see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, complicated times in uh, commercial radio right now. Lots of... Uh, you wonder how you wonder how sort of how much further they can all consolidate. Maybe Jeff Bezos will just come and buy them all. I think what's interesting about all, all the acquisitions is there's a bit of some of this is housekeeping. You know, some of these maybe there were too many radio brands trying to do the similar things, and well, clearly it's not nice for the people who work there who who won't have jobs anymore or have to rethink what they do. It does provide a better commercial radio sell to advertisers and also potentially to listeners. What we've seen when there's been these big mergers and takeovers, it's been a shame that we've lost quite a lot of local radio. But listeners actually, they quite enjoy these new brands and like hearing them in, in more places. And Maggie Brown was on the podcast last week, right? You may have heard she was uh, talking about some off-com research they've done into radio and she pointed out that uh, overall commercial ad revenues have, uh, have got worse since 2007 when they were $523 million, and now they total $472 million. So uh, is, uh, is this kind of you know, the, the consolidation, the kind of buy-ups we're seeing, is, is this the way ahead? And is this, how do you see, where, where's radio going to make that back up and actually you know, uh, um, increase on well, five years ago, let I- alone... I mean, five years ago was pre-recession and pre-global financial collapse. The last two years have been revenue increases. The cost base has changed. You know, part of the reason that, that these uh, mergers happen is it massively reduces the costs of running those businesses. And so profit, I reckon profits are up. It's difficult to work out Global's uh, numbers because of how they're structured. But it seems to me that that business is in a better shape than it's been for a good seven or eight years. Ten years ago, uh, there wasn't a lot of digital competition on radio or television or the internet or whatever. You know, stuff stuff changes. Things happen. Industries have to change, and radio's doing that at the moment. Okay, well that's enough radio for now. It's time now to talk about newspapers and the news that XPCC director and media talk regular Stephen Stig Abel has become the new managing editor of the Sun newspaper. Abel's appointment's one of many changes to the top team of the UK's most popular paper following the arrival of David Dinsmore, who replaced Dominic Moan as editor in June. Well, I'm sure Stig is listening to this, but he better be, in the hope of getting some insightful analysis. So who better to turn to than Professor Roy Greenslade, who joins us on the line now. Roy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Enjoying the sunshine of Donegal. Oh, very very nice, very nice. Uh, Roy, well, tell us, uh, a surprise appointment, uh, Stig, joining the sun. Uh, very much so. Um, I think a few gobs were smacked by um, the announcement uh, a very surprising turn of events, um, although I have to say um, there's been a tradition of people who work for the Press Complaints Commission going on to work on newspapers. Guy Black, who was a director, did it, and Will Gore has gone to the Evening Standard where he's deputy managing editor. So I guess you start your career in reverse, as it were. You start as a regulator and then end up becoming, as it were, a poacher. And Stig strikes you as a slightly different kind of character to his, to his predecessor in the role, uh, Richard Caseby. Yes, Casey was extremely combative. Um, uh, I think that's almost uh, really an understatement. He was aggressive in his uh, defence of the Sun as he saw it, and previously his defence of the Sunday Times. And I certainly clashed with him personally on a number of occasions. Um, To be honest, I think Stephen Abel is uh, very different. He is as passionate in defence of his position, but he's much more calculating, much more charming, and I think it, what we might call inclusive uh, in these days. Um, and therefore, I think it's very significant that the son have chosen him in the sense that I think it's a symbol of the way in which Rupert Murdoch is changing the nature of his organization, making it more, if not reader friendly, uh, certainly more friendly towards perhaps rival media. 
So what? So what's a managing editor do? I'm just a simple radio person. What's the difference between that and, and the editor? In British newspapers, uh, the managing editor is the sort of business manager of the newspaper. He looks after expenses. He ensures that the staff uh, are obeying the rules. Um, he will be a bit of a gopher for the editor. And these jobs take different uh, in different newspapers are acted upon differently. But in the sun terms, um, I would imagine that he's also going to be a bit of a PR for the organisation too. And Roy, the appointment of Stig, not the only change at the Sun this week. We also had, uh, well, page three models disappeared from the Sun, but only in Ireland so far. Yes, an interesting development. Uh, There's been this campaign in Britain, uh, which has been confined to Britain, to be honest, in which people uh, led by a woman called Lucy Holmes have been calling for no more page three for a cover-up of the usual page three model that's been there since the 1970s, since 1970 itself. And then oddly and surprisingly and without any campaign, uh, the Irish editor uh, decided that uh, he would, uh, I, I suppose unilaterally, uh, drop page three. He would cover up the women who appear on that page. Not really, uh, though, because they've still got pictures of topless women. You just can't see their nipples or it's women in bikinis. So page three is still devoted to a picture of a sexy lady being objectified. So I don't think it's a particular step forward at all. Well, it's half a step forward. Look, I agree with you. And in my um, radio discussion with the uh, Irish editor of The Sun, I made exactly that point, that um, it's only a a small step for mankind and a very small step for women. I agree uh, that we are still objectifying women, uh, but The Sun's not alone in that. But I think that the idea of covering up, which they say is down to cultural differences, presumably partly based on the conservative nature of society here in Ireland and partly on the fact that it's mainly Catholic, I think and think they're the only reasons, um, they've decided to do it. This is embarrassing for them in the northern six counties, of course, where there is a big Catholic population and they are still getting the um, uncovered up breasts. Uh, To be honest, um, I think this could be a dry run uh, and eventually we will see the end of this silliness. It's just an anachronism uh, and it might persuade uh, perhaps people to think more deeply as uh, you've just done about whether or not running pictures for no reason except titillation is such a good idea in the 21st century. Helen do you think this is the beginning of the end or are you rather cynical about this? Uh, Well to me page three is not even the biggest problem with the sun and also a lot of other newspapers have just pap on page three i was reading the evening standard the other day and it's just a double page spread about one of the candy brothers basement spa uh, but i think you know it's prime real estate for putting some news on there however if they are just running bikini pictures then a lot of the sun has got celebrities on beaches type pictures so i think it could take a really long time to to change the sort of general bikini pictures of ladies in the newspapers where they could be running news but yeah you're right it's better than nothing but i don't think it's that great uh, maybe they should put they should put ladies in jumpers talking about their educational achievements instead and then i'd be happy uh, if i may be permitted to point to one of my blog posts um uh, yesterday i wrote about the way in which the daily mail uh, depicted kate moss by literally analyzing every uh, bit of her body in a very vicious nasty piece of journalism uh, which said something about uh, here is a saggy supermodel. Oh, was this the um, Liz Jones so- piece? 
It was a Liz Jones piece, mm. yes. So here we have a woman who is uncomfortable about her own body. She's admitted that in, uh, several times over, um, being very nasty about another woman's body. And I found that pretty despicable. I noticed in the 400 or so comments below that online um, that the vast majority of them were disgusted by the article too. So I don't know whether that will persuade the Daily Mail to stop this stuff, but they really do seem to be obsessed with how women look. Gets a lot of uh, clicks though, doesn't it? So even if people hate it, why would they stop? Yeah, the great thing about those comments are every comment is another page view, another, another refresh, more ads served. Uh, it's, it's kind of feeding the trolls. I made a New Year's resolution this year to not look at any Mail Online links at all. So I haven't actually seen the article. I, I can imagine it's from uh, the general gist of Liz Jones criticising women's bodies, but uh, it's been uh, a, a real refresher and also it means uh, I'm not providing them with any uh, clickbait anymore. Well, what next, Roy? I think we need to ban, ban pictures of, um, uh, of triplets reading their A-level results in the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> this, is the, this is the next campaign. Women on the Brighton beach on a sunny day. Well, on that, on that note, we should move on, I think. Roy, um, uh, thank you very much, and uh, back to the sunshine. Thank you. Right, so we go from uh, women in briefs to other news in brief. Uh, does that work? Is that all right? It's magnificent. Thanks. Matt's nodding, just in case you can't see that. Just uh, <laughs> So it's a un- unanimous approval there of that link. Helen, B Sky B is considering launching a new male-targeted entertainment channel. It's going to take on rivals such as ITV4 and Dave. Uh, now, I always thought Sky One was Sky's male entertainment channel, but I think maybe that's gone a bit more... Um, that's had a family makeover. Well... I'm not a man, so I can't really say with any authority whether men are underserved by Sky's pre-existing products. Uh, how how do they serve you, gentlemen? Matt, what do you think? Do you, uh, uh, is uh, Sky's football uh, movies, uh, Sky One, Sky Atlantic, Sky Art, Sky Living? Uh, are you, do you feel well served by Sky, uh, or in fact, are you not a Sky subscriber? I'm not a Sky subscriber, but um, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I asked. I'm, I'm a free subscriber. I'm a free user, so I think probably this is this is the impact of Dave. Dave's been a very successful channel, and I imagine that scoops up quite a lot of blokes. Uh, Suddenly, Sky getting rid of Bravo back when they acquired those channels maybe wasn't such a good idea. Funny you should mention Bravo, because Sky have, uh, they've registered the name Sky Bravo, so perhaps there's a few people sort of scratching their heads and trying to find out who was it pressed the button to destroy Bravo. I think the interesting thing with Dave is actually it's a a programming success, but also built on a marketing success. You know, they came up with a concept for a channel uh, which resonated with an audience, and they found the right kind of programmes, banterish programmes, that they've got out the back from the BBC um, first look deal and, and shoved it on and all those things together made it a real success. Actually, I also I'd imagine that they do have a fairly decent uh, contingent of women watching it because a lot of the programmes just good comedy programmes. Mm. Even the ones with John Sargent? I would not comment. But it's the branding is not so aggressively masculine that it would put off most female viewers, I think. Uh, now, uh, Matt, you're not a Sky subscriber. So you're the ideal man to ask this question to. I, I have a hunch that um, I have a hunch that some sort of Sky shows. We're not entirely sure which channel they're on, where they end up. You know, I think they're suffering from a bit of an identity crisis. So I have three Sky programs, and uh, I want you chaps to tell me which Sky channel they're okay. on. I also don't have Sky, owing to the peculiarities of my building. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, where do you think Alan Partridge's mid-morning matters? Which Sky channel would that intuitively be on? Do you think Sky One, Sky Atlantic, or somewhere else? Uh, Don't think too long about Sky this. Sky One. It's on Sky Atlantic, oddly. Really? Yeah, what do you think? Well, that? we're okay. on one side of the Atlantic, I my, guess. My point partially proved. Uh, next, uh, Modern Family. Sky One, Sky Atlantic, somewhere else. Uh, Atlantic being an import. Sky, no, Sky One. Oh, for God's mm. sake. See, my failed. point almost entirely proved, but it relies on this one. Hannibal, the spin-off of uh, you know the Hannibal Lecter stuff. Sky One, Sky Atlantic, Sky Living, somewhere else. Atlantic. 
Sky Living. Oh, I thought that was all just home makeover shows and stuff. So there you go. That's one billion pounds worth of market research free to anyone uh, from Sky who is listening. Ooh. I'm available to, to do that as a PowerPoint and uh, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> but is it uh, MD of Sky Channel's Stuart... Uh, Stuart Murphy's director of yeah. Sky Entertainment Channel. Yeah, so because he, he used to obviously look after Sky One as well. He, he has jettisoned that relatively recently, so maybe he will grapple with these issues now. One more. Greg's more than meets the pie. Sky One. Sky One, yes. Really? But I mean, that's, you know, but, that's but sort a great of... title. That's an EPG friendly title if ever you see it. My mind is blown. <laughs> Good. Uh, right, also this week, uh, we turn our attention to uh, matters uh, Sir Martin Sorrel shaped. It's shaped like Sir Martin Sorrel because it is, in fact, about Sir Martin Sorrel. Um, his enormous communications company, WPP, currently spends more than £2 billion on Google Ads and £200 million on Facebook. Not enough, said the big man, who set an ambitious target for nearly half of his company's revenues, that's 45%, to come from digital sources by 2018. Sorrell has previously said that advertisers spend too much money on newspapers and magazines and not enough online. And uh, Matt, this is a man who has been sceptical about Twitter and Facebook in the past, but... uh, He made this announcement on LinkedIn. (laughs) He did indeed. He's a convert. (laughs) Yeah, he loves all the hot social networks. Um, I guess maybe not telling us something we didn't know, but the scale of uh, the change he's talking about is, uh, is, 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 is big. It is significant, though. There's a little bit of me which thinks... One of the things about digital is lots of people take chunks of money along the value chain. So um, in telly, you might buy it from a single agency, you buy it from a broadcaster. Uh, With digital, there's sometimes quite a lot of layers in between. So there might be a locally targeted bit, something that's doing network, something that's doing remnant, all these different things. And I imagine WPP has a slice of lots of those different companies. So is it a useful way actually to aggregate more revenue for themselves by pushing stuff to those digital platforms. I think uh, one of the benefits of uh, digital advertising must be that at least you can see how many people have clicked through a banner ad, for instance, and how effective it is. Whereas uh, a TV spot, you don't really know what proportion of people have uh, been moved to uh, buy the product as a result. I mean, it's difficult for, for broadcast media, especially because they're often the things which tell people what to type into that Google search box. Mm. Uh, so how do you um, you know, rate that? And it, Our company, we have a little kids' radio station, and we what's one of the questions we get back all the time? People are used to buying online now. They're very comfortable doing it. Whilst they get stats, you're very potentially very accurate stats, are they misclicks or mistaps on a mobile phone? Uh, is that the same as a, uh, you know, you can kind of slag off Barb or Rajar? Everything's got its pros and cons, but there is no, there is no magic bullet. I think also uh, to succeed, really, they need to be very creative uh, in the way they present it. Because I think it's so easy to either install ad blockers or just tune out of looking at your sidebars and uh, Therefore, I think to get people really interested in a product, you have to you have to put more of the money into the people creating content rather than just throwing it at spots to put your uh, ad. And as you said, Helen, uh, Sorrel made this announcement on LinkedIn. But what we need to do is we need to get him on Twitter because that that do would be you? an account worth following, wouldn't it? He doesn't he doesn't want to play Twitter, John. Come on, and he can banter with Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> oh God! Thank you very much, both of you. In a moment, we're going to talk the Edinburgh TV Festival. Okay, it's time to go north of the border now, but if you're in Scotland already, it's time to stay exactly where you are. It's the Guardian Edinburgh International Television Festival, of course, which would take place over the bank holiday weekend at the end of this month, which I think I've got my diary out. Yes, it's uh, it's next weekend. Helen, what are you looking forward to? Well, I think uh, there's there's going to be a talk about court on camera, and I think there's a very interesting debate to be made about whether it is right to televise court proceedings. Uh, Personally, I think that would be... uh, 
extremely problematic. I've done jury service and they're really insistent that you don't you don't tell people about it, you don't uh, Google things about the case while you're doing it. And I think you would just open up a world of problems that they can't really deal with yet if you televised it. And also on a similar note, there's a talk called Making Crime Pay, which is about uh, crime dramas and just how many there are now. I mean, there must be more murders on television than there are in the entire world. So Certainly when Midsummer's on, that's true, <laughs> yes. You, you wouldn't move there. But the house prices must be very cheap. So uh, I would be interested to know whether... The market in that is uh, going to decline a bit because people have had a lot of murders to watch over the last few years. Maybe they're getting, maybe they're getting a bit bored. Who knows? But maybe not. Maybe they never will. Caught on camera, yes. Which makes me think of the two kind of big cases you remember. Well, the Louise Woodward and it's O.J. Simpson, isn't it? Do we and do we remember those because of how it enlightened us, or were they just great TV? Well, the Michael Jackson trial was pretty good TV, and but it just seems a bit wrong to be watching it for entertainment, doesn't it? It's pretty horrible, serious stuff in all of these uh, cases that you cite. Okay, Matt, how about yourself? Uh, having a look, uh, Media Crisis Live looks good. Anything with the word live and exclamation mark makes it, of course, more exciting, particularly because Kelvin McKenzie uh, seemingly on that, that panel. Uh, and again, anything with Kelvin, I think, is generally quite entertaining uh, and worth going along. But I think the good thing about the TV Festival is that they, they do executions of their own TV shows. Uh, so this year it's the, um, the Great British Bake Off where TV execs will... Uh, challenge each other for a soggy bottom, no doubt. Potentially humiliating, but they will always be known as uh, being a, a game for a laugh. Yeah, oh, TV execs, they, they love to laugh and bake. Um, me? me? Now, I know, thanks for asking both of you, but I'm looking forward to uh, Kevin Spacey, who's going to do the uh, McTaggart this year, which I think uh, uh, clearly he has been in TV, but we wait and see what he's got to say about TV. Uh, and also Mr Vince Gilligan creator oh, of um, everyone's favourite TV show, Breaking Bad. I feel a bit sorry for him because everywhere he goes in Edinburgh, people will just be wanting spoilers. Well, that's enough Edinburgh. Time, just time, I think, for the Media Monkey Quiz. Hope you're both ready. Fingers on the buzzers. Uh, question number one. Which former newspaper editor started a new job at the BBC this week? Um, old what's-his-name. James yep. Harding. <laughs> Says, old what's-his-name. Right. Old what's-his-name. You're looking at an iPad. No, I'm not. Yeah, but I haven't yeah, scrolled yeah. to the right bit yet. Yeah, yeah. So I could have got his name yes, wrong. Well, that's half point each. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Matt for Matt for being awake and uh, Helen for coming in with the, the actual answer. Yes, that James Harding, former uh, editor of the Times, is now BBC director of news and current affairs. Question number two: uh, What failed scam was revealed this week as the ice pad? It's <laughs> an amazing scam. I don't know. <laughs> These two guys uh, in uh, Shropshire, I believe. Uh, Crime hotspot. <laughs> sent sent uh, an envelope full of ice through the post. And then we're going to uh, apply for the £2,500 commission saying that their iPad had failed to arrive and instead the envelope burst open in the post office revealing the wheeze and uh, now they're in court over it. So they tried to find something to pretend it was an iPad, lose yeah. it and claim the insurance. Yeah, but then but, uh, all what, I got was this a... wet envelope. <laughs> it's but madness. They... And they used ice because they thought that would be more convincing because it sounds like iPad, I guess. Yeah, maybe. In, in the late 60s, uh, my mother, I think the statute of limitations will have elapsed by now. She used to make uh, fake coins out of ice to feed her gas meter when she was a uh, poor student nurse. So they were the same size and then they would melt inside the meter, I'm sure, with no consequences for the electricals. I'm sure. Gosh, what, a, what, a, what an amazing woman. Imagine if she'd sort of, uh, you know, um, used her skills for legal purposes. She could have been, you know, a Turner winning um, Yeah, but, you sculptor. know, life, life on crime. Uh, she made coins out of ice to feed her electricity yeah. meter. <laughs> yeah. Needs must, John. 
Question number three. That's like that's like sort of killing someone with a vegetable, isn't it? And then oh, eating yeah. the evidence. Yeah, exactly. Very the, Roldal, isn't it? The classic murder weapon. Question number three. The Sky TV ad with which Hollywood star has just been banned by the Advertising Standards Authority? Ah, this is Mr. Mr. Willis, isn't it? Bruce Willis, yes. Problems with the small print, which we need not go into now. Uh, but which is a great shame, I think, Matt, because uh, as I'm sure you'll agree, I think it was uh, Bruce's finest work since, uh, since Die Hard with a Vengeance, I think. Well, you might say that. Had an unexpected twist. <laughs> uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Bruce is devastated the ad will no longer run outside of his home market. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I think the scores are one and a half each, um, but uh, all of Helen's points uh, were made out of ice, <laughs> which, uh, which are melting before our oh, very eyes. Oh, no! <laughs> so my thanks, as ever, to Helen and Matt. We've moved into our TV lair now, just in case you're detecting a slight uh, change in vibes. Don't worry, it's not your uh, MP3 player or, or whatever you're listening to uh, playing up. And I am joined in the lair, uh, surrounded by a plasma screen showing every TV channel conceivable by Rebecca Nicholson, The Guardian's TV and radio editor. Hello, welcome to my home. <laughs> Very nice, Good for, nice furniture. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but you've lost the remote, I see, which is a disaster in a TV lair. Yeah, I mean, you just have to pick a screen, go with it. Excellent, excellent. Well, first up this week, I have picked a screen, and on that screen it's showing, uh, bad luck some might say, uh, unfair others might say, uh, BBC One's uh, That Puppet Game Show. Now, I've been on holiday, and I came back to find that this was on primetime BBC One Saturday night. You thought you'd fallen into a time warp, and it was in fact 1981. Well, quite. It does seem very old-fashioned, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I thought, it can't be as bad as love my country. I love my country. Which Sam Wollaston liked in your absence. He did not. I would need to have a word with him about that. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen on TV. But this I found very fun. It was funny in a way that I didn't expect it to be. And I don't know if that's because Jonathan Ross was uh, involved in this first episode as the celebrity guest. You either love or hate his kind of risque, slightly risque humour. And the fact that he got away with some smutty puns at half past six, I thought, that amused me. I'm very childish. I'm very easily pleased. So I thought that was funny. It was cheerfully cheesy in a way that uh, yeah. Don't Scare the Hair, which previously occupied that slot, uh, wasn't. It's a little bit better than Don't Scare the Hair, though, isn't it? Or were you a fan oh, yes. of Oh, no, yes. Much better. Did Sam Wollaston love Don't Scare the Hair? No, I don't know his, I don't know his opinion on, uh, on hair, uh, oh, hair good. or hair. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was scared by Don't Scare the Hair, but, uh, but I, was gently, um, I was gently warmed by yeah. the puppet game show. I mean, it did just feel like watching a Saturday night variety show, but with puppets doing most of the stuff. I enjoyed it. And uh, some of the gags, well, the preview, one of the preview gags I saw was, uh, I don't know if it made it into the first episode, was um, the tortoise comes up and says, you know, I've got an urgent message. And they say, when did you get the message? You know, last Thursday. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. So, you know, it kind of held your hand. It's that the... sort of Miranda humour, isn't it? There's, there's nothing wrong with a bit of old fashioned humour. Well done, that puppet <laughs> game show. But not well done. I, I love my country. But maybe we'll return to that in another week. Oh, I do, don't make me watch it again. Okay. <laughs> Don't. Well, I'm going to spin my chair around now to a, a light on another of these many screens facing us. And uh, and uh, Rebecca, what am I watching now? Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den. We're watching Dragon's Den. I've never seen a whole episode of You're Dragon's kidding. Den. You're Now in its 52nd series. That's right, yes. <laughs> BBC Two. With 110-year-old Evan Davis. Presumably. Yeah. <laughs> I have no desire to watch Dragon's Den when it's on TV. I never think, if I'm looking at the listings or flicking through my EPG, I never think... Oh, I'm going to watch Dragon's Den. But then when I force myself to sit down and watch it, I always thoroughly enjoy it. So this is a new series. We've got two new dragons and we've got new ti- a new title sequence that makes it look like a sort of gritty HBO drama, which 
I enjoyed greatly. In fact, I would probably just watch the title sequence for an hour and still be quite amused. But um, okay, I mean, be it's good. the same. They don't tinker with the format. They've changed the, these credits. So two now. new dragons as well, yeah. But two new dragons. But it's essentially exactly the same. People come. They're nervous. They say, "I've got an idea. It's a good idea. It's a bad idea." The end. But I enjoyed it. Again, I enjoyed it. It's nice. So if, if I pitched it to you, you'd, you'd buy fifty percent of my my idea for. 25 quid. That's how it works, isn't it? Let's say 20. Peter Jones? I can't see past Peter Jones, to be honest. I know he's a tall man, which makes it difficult. Well, there's five dragons now, so you get a little bit less of him. Right. Um, He's a bit unpleasant in this one. But that's his job. He's stepped into the cartoon villain role, I think. You need one of them. They're all a bit nice this time around, so you need him to be a bit of an ass. Yeah, are you missing? See, I've never seen it, but I have heard of Hilary Devey and her shoulder pads. I Uh, miss her greatly. Every day I think about her and wish she was still on my screens. Her Desert Island Disc was one of the best Desert Island Discs I've ever heard. It was, was it? great. <laughs> and finally this week is the most anticipated drama finale since The Sopranos. It's... It's Breaking Bad. Now, if you haven't seen it and you don't subscribe to Netflix or can't work out quite how to, uh, like me, then uh, don't worry, there'll be no spoilers. But if you really don't want to hear anything, then keep jogging on that uh, Travelator that you're currently on. But turn this uh, podcast off. Right, Rebecca, carry on. Breaking Bad. Breaking it, Bad. Did we say Breaking Bad before all that? Did we say Breaking Bad? If you didn't say Breaking Bad, then that spoiler alert could have applied to anything. <laughs> anyway, Breaking Bad, carry on. That's it. No spoilers. Finished. That's it. Well, thank you for joining us, Rebecca Nilsson. Good night. Uh, no, but tell us a bit without telling us a lot. I'm going to try not to tell you anything that happens. So I'll merely offer my opinion, but I think it was one of the best episodes that it's ever done. Oh, They you're... don't mess around. They get straight into the action. Great dialogue. Some really fantastic scenes between Walt and another character. Go on, you can give us that. Hank. Walt and Hank. Really great scene. I mean, really, really great. But I've had a bit of a week of it with Breaking Bad because I wrote a piece for the newspaper saying that I feel like it's female characters are underwritten and and that is a problem for me. Breaking Bad fans are very irate about this. Really? I've had a lot of uh, tweets and comments saying that they're not happy. But it just goes to show that people really love that show. Well, I think Walt's wife is, in fact, very well written. It's either that or that I'm pushing my feminist agenda onto everything. But I never knew. I, I mean, you know. You and your feminist agenda. You, I, I can, I'm going to start checking in the mornings just to see if it's my feminist agenda showing. <laughs> if I come back next week and this TV layer has turned into some sort of <laughs> feminist, I don't know what. You won't be, be allowed trouble. in. To be I honest, won't be allowed in. No. <laughs> I'll have to do my best Norman Bates impression. Um, but, but, I, yeah. but I thought his wife was well written for the first series or two, well, actually, but then she kind of, you know, disappeared down the, the This the is car what's wash. been interesting. A lot of people have said that they disagree and they think that her journey has been really interesting. And in relation to Walt, it serves a kind of key purpose. I think Carmela in The Sopranos did that a lot better than Skylar does. But I'm quite optimistic because, you know, there's something that happens, a small thing in this new episode. And you've got Lydia, the villain as well and I think potentially he might be sorting out the women problem just in the last eight episodes so we'll Lydia see. the villain do we know Lydia the villain already or have I yeah, just forgotten she's in her? the first part of series five perhaps I need to rewatch the first the half again from Germany or something like that I remember yeah, yeah. oh at the, the end of the first half of series five when uh, Hank sits down on the loo and opens the book what a finish but unlike some series on Netflix, they're not dumping it in one go. This is old-fashioned once-a-week job. Am I right? You're right, and I would argue that Breaking Bad is better. Is better Definitely. taken in that way. Because I watched most of it in huge chunks, and I found it quite full-on. There's a lot of violence and a lot of nastiness to deal with if you're watching four hours of it at a time. So I think this is a good thing. 
Well, more Breaking Bad to come on this podcast, especially if I've actually watched it. Uh, <laughs> but never fear, spoiler alerts will be uh, liberal and even more readily available than Walt's uh, blue. What does he sell? Crystal meth. Crystal meth, that's right. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so not down with the illegal kids. Well, it's uh, blue drug stuff. 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 <laughs> did, someone did some, some launch some blue meth style candy. Uh, well, we, uh, we've been sent some in the, have you? in the way that promotional things tend to arrive. Yeah, it's minty. Well, your teeth look all right still. So. Thanks. <laughs> Good news there. More from the TV Lair next week. Until then, Rebecca, thank you very much. Thanks. And that's it for this week. My thanks to all our guests, who were Matt Deegan, Helen Zaltzman, Roy Greenslade, and, of course, to Rebecca Nicholson. Media Talk is produced by Mr Matt Hill. You can tweet me at John Plunkett 149 or why not scribble something on our Facebook wall? You've been listening to Media Talk. Good night. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com slash audio.